you really think that Connor McDavid will be a good old Canadian boy? You really think so? I don't think so, man. I don't think so. I really don't. He is going to ask for a trade. I'm right. Trevor, I'm right. Begsy, I'm fucking right. I'm telling you right now. It's going to happen. I'm seeing it. It's it's player empowerment era two in sports. It's going to happen. It's going to it's going to happen. It's sad. It sucks because I do feel like the the Gretzky curse is live and well. You're gonna trade Gretzky for money. This is what you get. You get the second coming of Gretzky, but you're also gonna relive the past. And he's gone. He's gone. McDavid's gone, yo. Drysaddle can lead the team, though. Don't worry. It's beautiful, man. <laughs> do we want to keep that? Should I just get into it? Just get it. No, yeah, just whatever. Just, just do your thing. Silky and filthy, where we talk a lot of hockey and a whole lot of bullshit. Gives it away. Horvath centers. Patterson scores. Politely. Why would I be polite with you? Are you kidding me? Never look yourself in the mirror, right? Huh? You're always good. You never make the mistakes. Yeah, you know, they're a good team. They're a good team. They're a good team. They play hard. Obviously, they're a good team. They have a lot of good players. You're about to listen to some puck talking bullshit. Welcome to another episode of Silky and Filthy with your host, Trevor Beggs. All right, and welcome all of you Silky Studs to another episode of Silky and Filthy. We're on the Silky and Filthy Summer Tour, man. It's July. The it's summer tour. Outside. I'm sweating. You I'm sweating like too. Sweating. Yeah, you look like you're sweating, man. How I was, doing? man. It was even hot in uh, the Save On Radio booth as well. So shout out to Bounce Radio. They had me in. It was hot in there though, man. It's a hot day in Vancouver. It's, it's gray, but it's hot. It's muggy. It's the like gross hot. You know, your balls are sweaty. That's how hot it is. Oh, I know that feeling, man. Sometimes I got to get up from the desk at work and just go shake them out a little bit. Man. Shake them out. Do you wash your hands after? Well, I don't need, I don't touch them with my oh. hands, man. You shake them, man. Come on. Oh, like just, just shake them in the pants. Oh, you oh. Put your hand down there when you shake them out. What the hell's wrong with you, man? I can't, I can't recall. I don't know. Maybe yeah, I do now sometimes. Now you can recall. You know, if now I'm by myself, recall. if I'm by myself, I probably do. But I wash my hands. It's very annoying. I have sanitizer everywhere. You gotta wash. If you're touching some sweaty balls, you gotta wash your hands, man. That's just the way it goes. Shit, dude. Straight up. That's nasty. Speaking of washing your hands clean, I mean, Ken Holland with the Edmonton Oilers, he's got quite a job to do with with that organization. They're right up against the cap. They got not much help coming in. They, you know, they signed Marcus Granlund, man. Yeah. Is Marcus Granlund the new savior for the The Oilers? The Oilers suck. I'm sorry. They just do. They what? suck. And this is the whole reason we're actually having this episode today. Because if the Oilers were good, if they were on the upswing, we wouldn't be having an episode called the 2020 Connor McDavid trade game. That wouldn't be happening, man. That's what this episode is called. That's what we're doing today. We're gonna we're gonna make potential trade proposals for Connor McDavid. We have a couple teams. We're gonna have fun. And, and what we're actually doing here is foreshadowing because this is gonna happen. I'm I'm calling it right now. I'm not the first one to call it. But Connor McDavid is getting traded next summer. He really is. You think that guy wants to lose again? Edmonton? Really? You think he wants to live there being a loser? I don't think so. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's a young man's game. You know what? The league should force Edmonton to trade Connor McDavid if they finish in the bottom 10. The the league should step in. Straight up. Change.org? There should be a fucking petition. McDavid. The prize jewel. The best player since Mario Gretzky. Come on, man. Guy's a loser. Get him out of there. Straight up. Get him Get him the fuck out of there, man. Well, I'm mad. There's about 1% of me that thinks, you know, Connor McDavid's a good Canadian boy. He's not going to ask for the trade. But then 99% of me thinks, you know, he's just full of fire, man. He's been a competitor all his life. He wants to win. Straight up. I mean, the whole thing about him being a good Canadian boy and, and staying with the course and being a nice guy and keeping his mouth shut, blah, Blah, blah. Yeah, at the end of the day, an athlete, especially an athlete at, at Connor's level. Now, yes, he, he has a level of God-given skill. He was born with that. You're never going to get that good at hockey. You're, you're never going to get get that good at anything in your life, Trevor. It's true, yeah. C- it's compared true. to like wh- how good Connor is at hockey, he was blessed. 
but he's also worked very hard to, to improve on those skills to get to where he is. He wants to he wants to win. He wants to win. Edmonton, what have you done this summer? Nothing bold. Nothing. Nothing. You saying you're saying Marcus Granlin and Thomas Yurko isn't bold, man? Come on. I get that Holland stepped in into a situation where his hands were tied because there wasn't really a lot, a lot there. No assets. Stuck against the cap as well. But you got to figure it out. You got to find a way. You're telling me if Toronto can get get kind of out of their cap hell by making a couple moves. You know, they had to do a lot too. They had to take it, take, take away a first-round pick just so another team could take Marlowe and buy him out. They had to do a lot. But but Dubis found a way to potentially have like protect himself so they're not going to lose Marner. You know, they, they found a way. Nobody thought they were going to find a way. I just assumed that Holland was going to go in there and figure it out. Now, we're early in the offseason, but I don't think anything's going to happen. Too many players have no, no move clause too, man. I don't know if they want to go to Edmonton via trade as well. Hard trades to make. They are hard trades to make, but we are going to theorize three different destinations for Connor McDavid on this episode. But before we get to that, let's bring in the Oilers expert himself. We've got Jeff Chapman from Copper and Blue. You know, we did a Skype interview before this episode popped out. And, you know, he had the Tommy Sallow jersey on it, and I complimented on it. So let's get into Tommy it. Tommy right? Sallow? He had a Tommy Sallow jersey on. He was he a, had a, a beauty, man. This guy's a fan. A big-time fan. He's the editor, I believe, over there. Copper and Blue, right? That's a cool name. Copper That's a cool and name. And you know what? This wasn't an easy episode for him, talking about possibly trading the best player in the league. So kudos to Jeff for hopping on. But we're going to get to it right now. Here's Jeff Chapman from Copper and Blue on Silky and Filthy. All right. Joining us now on the Silky and Filthy podcast, from Copper and Blue, the SB Nation blog for the Edmonton Oilers, we have the expert Oilers guest, Jeff Chapman. Jeff, from beautiful Buffalo, New York. How you doing tonight, man? All right. I got to stop you right there. That is an over... That's an over-the-top uh, bring-in. Uh, expert, you know, in quotation marks. But uh, I, I'm doing well, sir. I hope you are. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I hear we're going to talk a little bit about the Oilers. We're going to talk about the Oilers, man. And before I get into that, I mean, Oilers expert, come on. We're doing this over Skype right now. I mean, the guys listen to the podcast won't see this, so I'm going to paint the picture. you got the Tommy Salo jersey on right now, man. I do. How can you not yes. be an Oilers expert with the Tommy Salo jersey? One of the best throwback Oilers jerseys with the, with the shooting star oil there. I mean, unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I, I, expert is, is, is very nice, but uh, I, I do enjoy talking about the Oilers, so uh, I look forward to a hitting it out of the park with you tonight, so. Yeah, there we go, man. Well, let's get into it, man. I mean, the Oilers, it's been an interesting offseason, obviously. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, at this point, I think everyone expected the Oilers to be a playoff team, but that hasn't quite happened. But they've made some moves this offseason to hopefully offset that. But I'll, I'll just ask you first about the, probably the most positive thing of the Oilers' offseason, and maybe you disagree, but bringing Ken Holland on board, man. How does, uh, how does Oilers Nation feel about that? Uh, I think fans are generally optimistic uh, because they just lost Shirelli and uh, Peter Shirelli was a heck of a guy, but uh, yeah, there was just, just like failure after failure with Shirelli. So you can only go up. That's what everybody's hoping. So, uh, you know, Holland's got an impressive resume. Uh, my only concern, my personal concern is, is that most of his successes came well before the salary cap was in place. I shouldn't say well before, but right before the salary cap was put in. So, I mean, he's got, you know, a handful of Stanley Cups, uh, you know, one of the most successful runs in, you know, in, in modern history, you know, the, the late 90s and 2000s uh, Detroit Red Wings. Uh, my only concern is, is that when the salary cap was made, you know, uh, put into place, uh, he had a hard time. I think he struggled a little bit getting used to it. So generally I think fans are, you know, they're optimistic and they should be because after what Peter Shirelli did to the Oilers, uh, everybody deserves a break and uh, the Oiler fans deserve a break. So, you know, we're hoping for the best with Ken Holland and, um, you know, there's some concerns, but uh, hopefully we can get this uh, go-kart turned around. Well, Ken Holland's early work includes drafting Philip Broberg eighth overall. I think uh, not a lot of – no one was really surprised by that. That seemed to be the, the rumor going around for a while. And then he goes out on July 1st and signs Canuck legend Marcus Granlund. He signs Mike Smith. 
what, what, what would you make of Collins' early moves in Detroit so far? Is it enough to right the ship to make the playoffs, Jeff? No. No, not at all. Um, and, and again, I, I'm, I'll give Holland this. I mean, I think he's, he deserves this courtesy, and that is that he's got a lot to undo uh, from Peter Shirelli. All right? uh, there's a ton of contracts that he needs to kind of undo or try to sell someone on. Uh, but no, I mean, he, he gets an incomplete grade right now. The first day, you know, he, he signed, you know, a bunch of fourth line guys, third line guys, bottom six players. And he got Alex, uh, chase on to a two year deal at 2.15 million a year. So I don't know. I, 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 the moves are okay, but there has to be something else that comes along this off season, whether that's a trade, whether that's a waiver wire pickup. Whether, you know, uh, just a free agent signing. Uh, someone's got to play in the top six on the wings, and, you know, we've, uh, we're hoping that that'll happen. Hoping that that will happen, but it is hard for the Oilers. I mean, it seems like a lot of teams around the NHL right now are really in a cap crunch with the cap not going up that much. And that includes two perennial bottom feeders like my Canucks and your Oilers. So it, how much can Holland really do with the Oilers? You know, I think they're only, without my notes in front of me, about three or four million away from the salary cap ceiling right now. Like, is it actually possible for Holland to bring in a top winger? Does he have to, you know, maybe uh, take one of the GMs like Jim Benning out for a night on the town and maybe fleece him or something? Like, what, what's going to have to happen here? Well, uh, the term top winger is... Uh... It means a couple different things to a couple different people. Uh, Ty Ratty to some, right? Yeah, right. You know, Ty Ratty was given you know an opportunity, and that right ever since Jordan Eberle got moved for Ryan Strom, uh, the top you know the top winger position has kind of been uh, you know kind of like a musical chairs. You know, they've tried to have you know Ty Ratty come in and do it, and that wasn't quite successful. And so they're kind of, you know, Puyarvi had, I don't know, five minutes in the driver's seat. That that wasn't successful. And then Zach Cassian, as he had his time, and that wasn't successful. So uh, the the solution to all this is to obviously take Leon Dreisaitl and put him next to McDavid because that's the one line that the Oilers can really cook with. Um, if the Oilers are going to, I think this year, you know, that you say three or four million, it's almost four million. Uh, when, you know, when Kyle Brodziak goes down or another player gets sent down, they'll free up another million. So we can say 5 million Brandon Manning. Uh, I don't think he's going to be anywhere near the starting lineup, uh, come October. So you can even say 6 million. And a thing that people often overlook is is that you know you can go 10% over the cap during the off season. So the Oilers have some flexibility, but they really can't go too much higher than you know five or six million because then you have to offload some salary, and that's difficult, especially if nobody wants to swing a deal for Milan Lucic. So yeah, if he can you know uh, have a nice conversation with Jim Benning or you know someone else, you know you, you got to give to get. So I think it's going to cost the Oilers a little bit, but. My opinion is waiver wire comes up, they'll sign somebody. There's a couple of, you know, guys like Thomas Vanek for probably three million could probably, you know, do some mid six work this year. We were looking at, you know, other bargain bin, you know, like like you guys just signed Furlan today, so that was, you know, that was another one maybe for a year. Uh, Magnus PRV of the Senators, you know, he was a former Oiler, maybe somebody like him. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting at least one other one. So, uh, but yeah, I don't think they're going to go over the top. I think they're going to, you know, plug some players in, you know, maybe the million dollar variety and uh, kind of roll the dice this year. Rolling the dice. I mean, when you're up against the cap, that's all you can really do is roll the, di- roll the dice, right, Jeff? So we'll see how that goes. Before we get into the main purpose of this episode today, a nice fun summer episode we like to call the 2020 McDavid trade game. I will ask you about one more thing. The Oilers made one more big move this season, and that was hiring Dave Tippett. What's the feeling like in Oiler Nation with that hiring right now? Because I got to say, my co-host Kyle, he is not a fan of Dave Tippett at all. He once compared Dave Tippett to Jeff Fisher, saying he is the Jeff Fisher of the NHL. So I will just ask you this. What is the feeling about Dave Tippett from you and from Oilers Nation? Well, yeah, every Oiler move, uh, almost every Oiler move that, that happens between now until they can consistently put a winning product on the ice is going to be made, at least on my end, with some skepticism. And like I say, I think that's 
well earned. Uh, the general consensus is okay. You know, he's not a fresh face. Uh, he's a guy that's got some significant time in Arizona, where he, you know, he had some mixed results. But you know, I, I think people realize that they're going to get used to you know, Tippett's style quickly. I mean, you're gifted one of the best players ever, and in Connor McDavid. So I think he's going to be left. You know, I don't want to say to his own devices, but McDavid's going to do his thing. And Leon Dreisaitl is going to do his thing. And if Tippett can somehow work on the defensive end of things, which I think he's noted quite well for, uh, that's going to help the Oilers. Uh, how much? You know, uh, they were what a 78 or 79 point team this off season or this past season. So, can they be six or seven wins better? Uh, maybe. Uh, you know, you, you got a whole question mark and goal with Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. Who's going to be your one and your one A or your two? Uh, so there's a lot of questions, but, you know, the feeling is generally hopeful. And a lot of folks, you know, that's that's all they have right now is hope. Uh, so, again, a lot of things are going to have to fall right, just like they did in 2016, 2017, when Cam Talbot uh, turned up a, a solid 930 save percentage. Can Mike Smith, you know, go back to his, you know, three years ago when he was in the upper 920s? Um, time will tell. So, Generally optimistic. I think people are hopeful. And, um, you know, like I say, I'm a little bit more skeptical, but all you got to do is, you know, weigh in a prayer. Well, you know what, Jeff? As much as a lot of Oilers fans don't want to be downers, don't want to be skeptical, I think a healthy dose of skepticism could do a lot of people a lot of good. So I think you're in the right ballpark there. People just want to win. And I totally understand that. You know, fans want to win. I mean, we've been doing this forever. You know, Oilers fans have, you know, they've been doing this since the mid-2000s, and, you know, they've had one good season in a league where more than half the teams make the playoffs. So, you know, they, they you know, come what may, you know, you, if it's putting Tyretti on the top line or if it's putting Darnell Nurse, you know, on the top pair, and, you know, they just want to win. And, you know, as fans, they're one of the most passionate fan bases in professional sports, and, you know, they deserve a winner. It's just... Uh, uh, I hope it's this year, but I'm just not sure yet. Well, none of us can really know, Jeff, but I, I'm going to get into the worst case scenario for a second. I know you guy with a, a little bit of a healthy dose of skepticism, so hopefully you can play along with us here. Uh, a lot of Oilers fans might not like this, but I just want you to close your eyes for a second. And the, and the listeners, they can do this too. Let's just picture a worst case scenario next season where the Oilers are just as bad as last year. Could you see McDavid asking for a trade if the Oilers are once again 78-79.14? Could I see him asking for a trade? I mean, sure. Do I hope he does? No. Uh, I mean, anything's possible. Uh, McDavid, from what you see on the ice and from the way he conducts himself in the press conferences and the interviews with media, the guy wants nothing more than to win. And we are coming up on year five of Connor McDavid. And it's it's like a gift. It really is like 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 hockey's little gift. Okay, Edmonton, you've had three number one overall picks. It hasn't worked out. Blam, 2015. Here's your Easter egg. Now go win some damn games. Um, and you know they've had one good season, and we are coming up on I believe it's year five. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, is it possible? Sure, anything's possible. Um, you know, I sure hope it isn't. Uh, but if 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 that day comes, uh, it's just going to be utter insanity. Uh, not only just you know among the fan base, but everywhere, uh, on Twitter, on the internet, uh, off the internet, in local bars, restaurants, coffee shops, the newspaper, the media. I can't even imagine how that's going to happen. But can it happen? Sure. Uh, I mean, you know, he's we're in year five. This will be year two of his big deal. And uh, McDavid wants to win, and the fans want to win. So could it happen? Sure. Uh, but I sure hope it doesn't. Well, I don't blame you one bit. He is the most electrifying player in the NHL. I mean, he's he's the best player in the NHL, in my opinion. So it, it makes complete sense that you don't want to see him go. I'd, I'd, I'd be questioning your sanity if you did want to see him go, Jeff. But uh, Yeah, it, it, the thing is, is that things get out of control quickly. And like when Gretzky was sold to L.A. over 30 years ago, yeah, things come out. Ah, oh, it's Janet. Oh, it's this. Ah, he doesn't want to be in a small market. Oh, he wants, you know, he wants to go into America, you know. So if that ever to happen, you, the, the things you'd hear, 
coming from people's mouths would be a lot of justification. Well, this is why he wants to do it. And I think about 92% of, well, probably like 99% of Conor McDavid is that he wants to win and he wants to be the best he can possibly be. So, yeah, let's, you know, let's hope the Oilers win 48 games this year. They, you know, they, they get 108 points and they're in the playoffs. But, you know, let's, uh, we'll turn that page if we have to, but let's never. Well, we're going to turn this page because this is the 2020 McDavid trade game episode. So I, I am turning that page and, uh, you know, you can, you can, uh, you can flash that Tommy Salah jersey, but it's going to happen, man. But if, if there was one team in the league that you could pick McDavid to go to, if he had to go, where would it be? Somewhere out east. Uh, somewhere, yeah, somewhere out east. Uh, the, the, the best best place, that if we had to say goodbye, this is an awful question, but if this is, this is the best, you know, if you had to say goodbye, uh, somewhere that the Oilers would only have to play twice a year and uh, someone with a really awful general manager. So I don't know if that's Florida. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, Arizona. I don't know if uh, Cheka is going to, you know, just cough up the cough up the wad. But, uh, you know, if, if, if you're selling the greatest player in the game, it has to be to a team you don't see a whole lot to and a team who's willing to give you the moon and the stars. So uh, somewhere out east with a terrible general manager would be my answer. Uh, I don't know if that's Florida. Uh, you know, not Toronto. No, sorry, Toronto. Oh, Toronto. Oh, my see, God. See, that's one thing we can come to an agreement on is that if Toronto would ever do that, like, you'd have to stay off the Internet and go outside far away from people for roughly six years. Um, but, uh, you know, somewhere out east uh, with a really – uh, with a really, really awful general manager who just wants to give the moon, the stars, and uh, three first-round picks. It would have to be the Lindros deal times two. So, oh, It really would have to be because if you look at, especially in today's day and age with the NHL, there's it hasn't happened yet, but there's rumors going around of you know teams possibly signing Mitch Marner, which would cost four first-round picks. And you have to think like, that's at least the cost for McDavid if a trade oh, yeah. ever was to go down. like It might even be more than that. Maybe it's four first-round picks and change, right? Like I mean, it's it's almost an impossible deal to, to to pull off, and this is one of the reasons why we were kind of interested in talking about it because it is totally a hypothetical. But a deal like this would be it would be revolutionary. I don't think like the Gretzky deal happened, of course, but especially with the way young players impacted his NHL and with McDavid being the age he is, it would be a deal like we've never seen before. The only thing that I could, you know, what what is he worth in a trade? You know, it depends on you know how old he is and what period of his contract is but whatever the whatever the whatever the offer would be the answer is a little bit more you know whether it be another first round pick or another young prospect or a a surefire nhl or um you know like i say he's put the team on his back so far in edmonton and uh you know, whether it's the defense or whether it's the goaltending or, you know, just, you know, nobody can get their save percentage above league average like this year. There's always a reason. And, um, you know, geez, like I say, I hope I never see the day. But uh, if he's got to go, it's got to be to somewhere out east where they only see him twice a year. And the pocketbook just has to be through the roof. Well, before we move on from this, I'll throw you – we're going to do three predictions later on in this episode. And I'll throw you one of mine right here on Silicon Filthy. And – it's an Eastern Conference team, but it is not a dumb general manager, which I think to pull off a trade like this, it would be hard to, to do with a, with a dim-witted general manager. But one team that I could see this possibly happening in the total hypothetical is the Detroit Red Wings. You have Stevie Y, who has a propensity for making big moves. You have, you know, they've drafted well in the past couple of years, a Mort Cedar aside perhaps, but, you know, maybe there's a trade with, you know, Dylan Larkin and three to four first-round picks. I mean, yeah, it, uh, you, you know, it's, you're not, I know wrong. you're cringing, man. I know you're cringing. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's just like, if I wake up and, you know, like the world is going to just, you know, but Dylan Larkin, yeah, three or four first round picks, um, cash, do they even do that anymore? Futures, uh, you know, future, I, future considerations and the moon and the stars, man. How about that? Yeah, it's just, it would have to be, you know, just, Outrageous, you know, it, it, uh, a goaltending prospect. Uh, you know, I just it, the, the amount of things that Detroit would have to foist upon the table uh, would just have to be astronomical. And um, 
yeah, Dylan Larkin would be like, Dylan Larkin would, 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 would barely pick up the phone. So. Yeah, fair enough there, Jeff. I don't blame you one bit. And I'll turn it a little bit positive for the Edmonton Oilers' perspective to end the episode, because I know you're having a hard time, man. Tell me, Salo, he's not loving this right now at all. Um, what has to happen next season for the Oilers to make the playoffs? And is it possible? Do you see the Oilers making the playoffs? Anything's possible, okay? So, you know, a lot of things that Oilers fans have held on to is hope. And, uh, you know, sure, anything's possible. I mean, uh is it probable? Again, Holland gets an incomplete so far. Uh, again, I'm skeptical, but you know, maybe things maybe things change. Maybe in two weeks we're talking about that great six million dollar winger with four four more years you guys just acquired, and uh, you know, you never know. Uh, a lot of things are going to have to happen. Number one, I think, is going to just the goaltending is going to have to get better. Um, uh, it was Mike Smith last year who had the worst starter and I think 41, uh, the worst save percentage, and I think it was 41 goalies that, that started. I think it was 35 more games or 25 more games. It was an 8-9-7, which that's not replacement level. And Koskinen finished with a 9-0-6 or a 9-0-8. It, was not, it wasn't very good. So that's going to have to get better. Uh, a couple things have to happen. The Oilers have to score more goals, five on five. Uh, other than the McDavid line, uh, and the goaltending is going to have to get better. Uh, so if yeah, if 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 Smith or Koskinen can grab the reins, or even if it's both the guys together, if they can put together a nine-two-five, uh, you know, five-on-five, five, or excuse me, uh, all you know, all situations, if it's a nine-two-five, and you know, there's more goals five-on-five, five, and you know, uh, the Oilers have to pick up a, at least one winger to play in the top six, preferably two, or else they're going to run with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and McDavid and Cassian on the top line. In, Good old Jack Cassian. You could do better than that. You know, Cassian, I think he has a role on the team, and I, I think that, you know, he's, he's a top, you know, he, he can fit in the bottom six somewhere really good, but I would avoid running him in the top, you know, the top line. But, you know, they're going to have to find somebody, whether it's a Magnus PRV or, you know, they're going to have to, kind of throw a guy into a new position. I just, you know, I hope it's better than Ty Ratty uh, or Zach Cashin, who, you know, his role is clearly defined. So to make that little list, you're going to have to have much, much better goaltending. Uh, 906, 910, 905, 897 isn't going to cut it. Uh, and you're going to need to score more goals. It's that simple. It, there's no, there's no candy cutting it. There's no, you know, locker room chemistry. There's no, you know, there's no, you know, stick to itiveness, grit, compassion, you know, level of compete. All that's great. But if it translates into anything, it's going to translate onto the score sheet. So they're going to have to get a couple of wingers, at least one, you know, uh, freeing up some cap space to be good. The goaltending is going to have to get a little bit better, a lot better. And um, everything is, you know, injuries, you're going to have to avoid them. Kind of like they did in 2016, 2017. The only major one they had was Darnell Nurse, and he went down for a while. But. Yeah, all those things went out well, so no injuries. Goaltending's got to get a lot better, and uh, they got to score more goals. It's that simple. All three of those things happen, and they happen over the course of 82 games. We are going to the playoffs, baby. Going to the playoffs. Well, I got to say, man, as much as I'm not an Edmonton Oilers fan of the slightest, the game of hockey is a lot better when you have the best player in the world showcased in the playoffs. And you know what? I would love to see an Edmonton-Calgary series. I would love to see an Edmonton-Vancouver series. A good old Canadian matchup. That would be that would be great, man. And I'll end it with another little bit of positivity, too, because <laughs> I want I want your thoughts on this. Sure. To me, to me, the Pacific Division this year seems pretty wide open. I don't really think there's an incredibly complete team there. You know, we saw a team like St. Louis, for example, kind of come out of nowhere and, and make the playoffs last year after a, a terrible start. But... When I look at the top of the Pacific Division, I see Vegas with, you know, they lost Colin Miller on defense. I don't think that defense is stellar. I don't think the Calgary defense is stellar. San Jose's lost some pieces. Do you think the Oilers are, are better off playing in the Pacific with what's happened around them in the division? Well, you know, anytime the Pacific loses players and they head out east or, you know, uh, for whatever reason, talent leaves. And uh, your team either holds the fort or gets better. Yeah, that's going to bode well for you. But a lot of things are going to have to change in the Pacific for the Oilers to, you know, make a move. Uh, take Vancouver real quick. 
Like, what teams are Vancouver better than right now? I mean, I think they're better than LA and Anaheim, hands down. I think they're probably a little bit deeper than the Oilers, too. And other than that, you could argue maybe Arizona, but I think Arizona is probably better than Vancouver. I would probably, if I was doing a ranking today, I'd probably have Vancouver fifth in the, in the division ahead of Edmonton. Okay. All right. And so you put the Oilers at about sixth? Yeah. Yeah. All right. It, it really does depend a lot on, you know, how much you see the Oilers being a better team. And, you know, you take a look at other teams, you know, and the talent they've lost. So, you know, uh, the Sharks have lost some firepower. And, uh, you know, you take notice of that, you know, uh, and, you know, Vancouver, they're, they're going for it, you know, so the, the, you know, whether or not you think that the contracts are good or not, uh, they're going to be, I think, a little better than they were last year. So you've got, you know, teams like L.A. and Anaheim, like you were saying, which I think are going to be closer to the bottom. But, uh, you know, h- how much better the Oilers this year? Uh, I don't know if the fourth line guys are going to push them over the hump, but, uh you know, uh, if those three things happen where we were discussing, you know, they get more goals, obviously, uh, you know, the, their goaltending gets to at least league average, but hopefully a little bit better. And, uh, you know, if they can avoid major injury, I think that'll be, you know, a big deal because uh, right now they really can't afford an injury on the wings at all. And if they, you know, uh, they go out there and they sign a, you know, a guy who can, you know, play alongside, you know, uh, McDavid and so that there can be at least two scoring lines. I think that would be, you know, some big things for the Oilers. So are they going to be better? I sure hope so. Uh, are they going to be 10 to 12 to 15 points better? Uh, ask me again in December. <laughs> well, we will touch base again in December, Jeff. And you know what? Again, like I said, for the sake of the game, it would be better if the Oilers are competing. It's been a long time for you guys. You know, it feels like four years out of the playoffs for the Canucks has been a long time. But uh, <laughs> I, I, so, you know what? I... I, I can sympathize to an extent, but, you know, it's uh, it's been rough for you guys. But, hey, you guys get the best player in the game, and I'll say this. Anything is possible, especially with Connor McJesus. Well, you got to let the best players play. So, he's the best player. Let him play. Maybe the pull of LeBron James, man. Just start playing McDavid 40 minutes a night. He can, he can handle it, right? He'll be good to go. 55. Let's do 55. it. 55. Perfect, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. We, you should be coaching the Oilers, man. I think that's a much better strategy. I've been telling people this forever, so, yeah. There we go, man. The words out here on Silky and Filthy. Jeff Chapman, much better than Dave Tippett. Hire this guy. And, uh, you know, he killed it on this interview. So, Jeff, I just want to thank you for joining us. Wasn't always the easiest of topics to cover, but I, I appreciate you joining us for the, the for the McDavid trade game episode. I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, thanks again. Uh, hopefully we can get to do this when uh, the Oilers have 48 wins on the season and they're uh, opening up a playoff game at home. But uh, I'll get back to you. So. I'd love to be doing this next year with the Edmonton Oilers and Vancouver Canucks facing each other in the playoffs. Can't say I'd be betting on it, but I would love to see that happen at the same time, man. Uh, I'm in. Yeah, let's go. Until then, Jeff, thanks again for joining us on Silky and Filthy. All right, a big thanks to Jeff Chapman from Copper and Blue for joining us on Silky and Filthy to talk about Connor McDavid and the possibility of him being traded. It's not an easy topic to talk about for Oilers fans, and but really... Warm up for it. Get ready, you know? Right, that's what you gotta do. We're just getting Oilers fans ready right now. That's what we're doing. That's all we're doing. We're doing you a favor because it's going to happen. Now, Trevor, before we get into the proposals and the history about, because we gotta get into the Gretzky trade too, to compare it, you know, because it's kind of comparable. Both these trades may be comparable. Now, the money won't be a part of it because you can't do that anymore. But, Trevor, what are the biggest trades that you've witnessed in, in your NHL fandom? The biggest trades, you mean in our lifetime? Yeah, you know what? What if you? Don't, yeah, don't bring up the Gretzky trade. Don't bring up. Just, yeah, don't general. bring up Esposito. Bring up right now. Lopsided, just the biggest in general. You know, that, that's actually a great question, man. I do think like that trade that Toronto made for Phil Kessel, sending over the picks that were Tyler Sagan and Dougie Hamilton. We're talking two top ten picks. That was a huge trade, man. That was actually one of the biggest trades of our generation. Another Brian Burke trade was that was huge. Was getting the Sedins. And I think both of those trades are probably two of the biggest trades in the last 25 years. I would say that Joe Thornton trade for Wayne yep. Primo, Brad Stewart. I don't even know who was in this trade. It was Wayne Primo. Yeah, Brad Stewart was another one. You're right. And might have been like a first-round pick or something. That was a crazy trade as well. Crazy trade. At the time, man, and remember Joe Thornton's first year in San Jose with Jonathan Chugga Chugga Chichu? Chugga Chichu! Yeah, man. 
that was that was a huge trade at the time and, and Thorne just just brought San Jose to another level what other big trades? Hey, there's no first-round pick. Here's the deal. It was Joe Thornton straight up for Wayne Primo, Brad Stewart, and Canuck legend Marco Sturm. Oh, my God, man. What a ripoff. What a horrible trade. That's sad. That's pathetic. Remember the, the Dion Phaneuf trade, too? It was like Matt Stajan, Nicholas Hagman. And some other stuff. Hey, Matt Stajan, man. He played, a, he played a long time with Calgary, man. Are you a Matt Stajan fan? He just rode that fourth line for years, man. Come on. Matt Stajan, man. <laughs> seems like a nice dude. Yeah, he's a good guy. Seems like he a seems guy. like a great guy. Yeah, that was rosy cheeks, man. You know, I got rosy cheeks. I'm a suck. I, I feel for guys like that, you know? Hey, don't tell Hannah. Straight up. I shouldn't. You're right. She Unless y'all swing anyway. that way, you know? You just like, you know, like to have a little bit of fun. It's 2019. Yeah, People are open. Fun, Keep thinking of trades. There has to be more. So this is a damn hockey podcast. There has to be more. Big trades. Use your you, use your thinking cap. Superstars though. Just big in general, like something that was oh oh man. I guess the Sagan trade, right? That was huge too. Sagan trade was big. That was I mean, big. I it came gonna, out of nowhere. I think of Brett Burns going to San Jose, but that wasn't as big at the time because Brett Burns wasn't really a superstar. Fair. Uh, you look at trades like I always think of biggest red boss was like Philippe Forsberg for Martin Erat. Like big Philippe trade. Forsberg is a star in this league. Did Forsberg get traded? He got traded, right? Forsberg Philadelphia traded, to Nashville. Yeah. I yeah. believe that was a trade too. I think Scotty Upshaw was a part of that trade. Yeah. Peter, Peter Forsberg, I do think he's one of the most underrated players of all time. And I mean, if you want to go back, he was part of the Lindos trade, right? I yeah. mean, that was one of the biggest trades Huge. too. Huge. We're going back almost 30 years there. Yeah, yeah. But We're trying to keep it in the, the, in the well. 2000s. Yeah, what was that trade? Uh, so it was Peter Forsberg to the Nashville Predators for Ryan Perrant, Scotty Upshaw, a round one pick with then ended up being Vancouver Giants legend and future Jonathan, boss, Blum. Jonathan Blum. Good job, man. And a round three pick, which ended up being nobody. All right. So but basically, he was near the end of his career by then, but they didn't really get any the Basically, what we did there for our listeners, we're just warming you up for, for what is going to happen with this trade. Now, this McDavid trade, it's going to happen. And what, what's also going to happen is Edmonton is not going to get enough. Like these proposals that we have written down, they, they look huge. They look, they look gigantic. They look, they look like you may be getting something in return, actually, but but you're never gonna get the same value. You really aren't. Trevor, by heart, can you can you name the Carlson trade? All the players involved. Eric Carlson trade. Yeah, of course to, not, man. I mean, it was, it was like Demello, Rudolph Balkers, Tierney, Chris Tierney, like, exactly. oh, Dylan Demello. And that's what happens when you have a player that requests a trade. You just got to get rid of them. And Connor McDavid next summer is requesting a trade. Now, before we, we go into our proposals, uh, I'll stop for a minute again just to talk about the Gretzky trade because I think that's the only comparison, okay? I really do because we're talking about a, a player that's in the, the top tier. Now, obviously, nobody was in Gretzky's tier, but but I do believe if we go to that second tier of all-time greats because Gretzky's alone. He's alone. By far alone. We got Mario. We got Sid Ovechkin. And I think we can throw other players in there, including McDavid. So here's the Gretzky trade, though. And remember, Edmonton, Pocklinton, I think that's his name. Yeah, Peter He was broke. He needed yeah. money. So the trade was Wayne Gretzky, Marty McSorley, and some other dude to L.A. for $15 million cash. Jimmy Carson, who I think was a rookie, and he scored like 50 goals. Yeah, Jimmy so, Carson had a good year. So that was a big-time yeah. player at the time. Three first-round picks and Martin Jelena. So right there, you're looking at obviously the cash component, which I don't think you can, you can do now. It wouldn't make sense. Salary cap era, that money doesn't doesn't really do much. We're looking at two players, one of them being very good at the time, very valuable in Jimmy Carson, coming off a rookie year with 50-plus goals and three first-round picks for Wayne Gretzky. So five, I would say four premier assets, three first-round picks in, in Carson, and then you throw in Jelena, who had a good career. So yeah, that's I think that's in my opinion I based around my proposals around that. And I think a trade like this is going to be kind of revolutionary too because not only like you look at that trade from almost thirty years ago today in the NHL young players are more valuable than ever. We're seeing young players Facts. make an impact like never before. We've had lots of rumors about you know Marner being signed to an offer sheet going around throughout this summer, and that's four first round picks for Mitch Marner. But Connor McDavid, you got to be thinking at least four first round picks and then probably assets on top of that. Yeah. Hey, why don't we jump into it? Do your first proposal. Well, I, I threw this out to Jeff earlier on the podcast, but I mentioned the Detroit Red Wings. I mentioned, you know, Steve Eisenman, one of the most savvy GMs in the league. This could be a move that Steve Eisenman would make. But I think if you're going to, 
acquire a player like Connor McDavid, you're probably giving up four firsts and Dylan Larkin. And then maybe you throw in someone like Tyler Bertuzzi. Don't you think they'd have to throw in Zadina as well? Is Larkin, Larkin's not a Jimmy Carson at the time, you know? I, I, maybe I'm not valuing, valuing Dylan Larkin as high as I should, but don't they have anyone better? Anyone? You're right. It might have to be Zadina. Right? It might have to be like, both. Yeah, like you said, it might have to be both. And is it worth it for a player like Connor? It depends how much depth you know Detroit builds up. I mean, I think it they, is. They are kind of what they are at this point, right? Like Zadina is one of the best prospects. You know, Joe Valeno is no superstar. Mort Cedar. Like you're not talking about guys with a lot of value. Like you're probably talking four first round picks, Larkin, and like you said. So why Zadina. why did you say Detroit? It's because like is it because they're also it's in the, the East as well? I, I think it's the Eisman factor. I think. <laughs> can you imagine though, Ken Holland trading back to his old partner? Damn, I just thought about that. Someone else too, right? I'm Fair. all about the juicy storylines, man. That's Let's a juicy storyline. And McDavid in a Red Wings jersey would be great. If he could bring the Red Wings back. Detroit's not the biggest market, but it's a big NHL market. NHL is a better place with Detroit being good. I wouldn't mind that. McDavid in a red jersey? Looking looking great. Looking nice. But Edmonton getting Dylan Larkin back in four first round picks, I don't think that's enough. I think the fans would be choked. Well, I think you're gonna be choked no matter what the trade yeah, is. Like, fair. how do you how do you win a Connor McDavid trade? Like, no, there's no win in this, man. It's kind of like Eric Carlson going. Except, I do think that they're gonna do better for McDavid if there is a possible trade at all. You're talking yeah. multiple first rounders. You're talking bona fide first line center has to be included, and then maybe something else. It'll be funny when this all goes down if teams are hesitant to throw in their bona fide first line center because they're trying to build a team and they want McDavid to add to that. I, I think teams got to look at it like this: you're getting the best player, a generational talent. Better than Crosby. Better than Ovechkin. That's how good this guy is. And here's the thing. You may have to throw everything in. Generational talents usually win cups. We've seen it in our generation with Crosby, mm-hmm. Ovechkin, Lemieux won cups, Gretzky won cups. You know, going back, Esposito won cups, Orr won cups, Lafleur won cups. Do you think that Stars some people cups that out there won. will... Okay, so the Oilers, they're going to do bad again next season. They're not going to make the playoffs. McDavid is asking for a trade. There is going to be some members of the media, members of the NHL fan base that that criticize McDavid too. Like, why can't he get the team there? How good is he actually? But I think that floated around a bit in the last season, but no one really believed it because you look at McDavid and he was an all-star. He was he was arguably the best player in the league. I know Kucherov won the heart. Uh, Tampa had a crazy year, but McDavid was absolutely carrying that Oilers team with Drysaddle. But he was carrying that team. No, you're right. And I don't he think was. there was many people who believed that, oh, he couldn't get it done because, you know, I joked around with this with Jeff. I'm like, let's play McDavid 40 minutes a night. And then uh, the Oilers head coach, Jeff Chapman, uh, a couple years from now, said, let's play McDavid 55 minutes a night. Makes sense to me, man. Those Oilers fans must love Connor McDavid. Absolutely love him. And the fact that by the time McDavid's career ends, 20 years from now, the Oilers will just be this small part uh, of what should be a very historic career with a lot of cups. You know, a lot of people may may think that Trevor and I are, are just bashing on the Oilers because we're from the lower mainland of beautiful British Columbia, but that's not the case. I think I think we're just we're just hockey fans who understand how good Connor McDavid is and understand that the the league needs this guy playing till May, playing till June. They need him to be relevant. Not for the wrong reasons. It doesn't matter how good he is. You cannot pr- promote a player that loses. You can't. It doesn't look good. So I just want to get that out there. We're not. We're not trying to just bash the Oilers. We're bashing like the whole situation, and we want what's what's best for the league. Yeah, and I've said it multiple times. I'm not an Oilers fan, but you know the best NHL has McDavid in the playoffs. That's for sure. And we'll see. I have two, the next two teams on my list here for the trade proposals. We're both playoff teams this past year. They both include bold GMs who do like to make big moves. So let's see. I'm going to throw the second one at you. How about Lou Lamorello and the New York Islanders? What would you think if Matthew Barzell was involved in the swap going back to Now Edmonton? we're talking. Now we're talking. Tell me the proposal. I'm looking at Barzell and four first-rounders, man. And maybe and maybe even a pro, like not a prospect, but maybe a defenseman like Ryan Pulak. Now we're talking. We are talking. We're talking about an Islanders team, right? That would be nice. They, they need to compete with the Rangers. Hey, they may have to compete with the Devils too, who have some star power. 
Buffalo. I, I don't want to say Buffalo has some. I don't know. Well, you never well, know what you get with Buffalo. Let's even focus on the Rangers and Devils because okay. those are two teams that drafted one and two in the draft. There Both you go. Teams who have, you know, Devils have had two first round picks in the past three, two first overall picks, sorry, in the past three drafts. Um, the Rangers have conducted probably the best rebuild we've seen since the Maple Leafs. These ah, are two hold te- up a bit, Trevor. We have to wait and see. Let's wait and see. But okay. in terms of what they've done so far, it looks pretty damn good. They have some tough competition in that market. Not to mention that the Islanders don't have the craziest fan base in the league. I know we had Dan Saracheni on this Dan podcast during the playoffs. Islanders, Islanders Anxiety, right? Islanders Anxiety podcast. Check it out. And you know what he said is that a lot of young Rangers or a lot of young fans in New York are just going to go to the Rangers or they're going to go elsewhere. There's not or a lot to of- the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, let's th- be honest. There's not a lot of young Islanders fans out there. Like that kind of sparked that market. Might be worth the price of four first rounders and Barzell. Could be worth it. And the Islanders have a lot of history. Their fans deserve the best. Nothing against Matthew Barzell. Incredible player. Incredible player. You could argue that this guy's the second best skater in the league. And you got to love that irony too, man. Yeah. Can you imagine? You got to go gotta love it. Edmonton? You got to love it. Now that's a trade. If I'm, if I'm Ken Holland and, and you have the best player in the world, a generational talent in number 97, Connor McDavid, asking for a trade and you have to, you know, please his demand. That's, that's not a bad haul. It really isn't. It really isn't. And the Islanders, you brought up the Rangers, you brought up the Devils. New York is busy. The sports market there, it's it's buzzing. Hopefully the Knicks get a bit better. The, the, everything will be buzzing in New York. The Nets got Durant. They got Kyrie. Could the Islanders get Connor McDavid next year? Makes sense for the Oilers too. Just ship them like to the furthest part of the world. Well, I think, yeah. Hockey world. Any Oilers fan doesn't want to see McDavid in the Western Conference. They want to see him as far away as possible. And like you said, for those reasons that you mentioned and for what I mentioned, the Islanders do make some sense if Connor McDavid is to be traded. And I'm really stirring the pot with this last deal here. I'm okay. looking at Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Every fan's worst nightmare in Edmonton. But here's the thing. Austin Matthews is a player without any trade protection. Sure, he's got a massive contract, but he is... Of the three, he, of the, of he the has three, no trade protection? He has a no movement clause in the last year of his five-year deal. So before that, what happens? There's nothing? No, yeah, there's no trade protection. I think the assumption is they're not going to trade Matthews, right? Mm. But he has zero trade protection until the last year of his contract. Interesting. If you're talking about Dylan Larkin and Matthew Barzell, they're great players. They're first-line centers. Matthews is better than both those players. This is something that could make sense. Does Matthew want to play at Edmonton? Probably not. But maybe you throw Matthews. Maybe you throw... Would you do... I'm thinking like Matthews and three first, and then you got to have... And more? You think that's it? You do Matthews and three first? Yes. I think that's it, right? That's a pretty good haul. I'm wondering if you almost throw one of the defensive prospects too. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We're talking Connor McDavid, but again, I know, Austin I Matthews is a hell of a player. He's a hell of a player. Matthews and three first, that's, it is quite a lot. You know, I don't see... I, I have Toronto on my on my sheet over here too, but I didn't, I didn't say Matthews because I think... I think he's he's good. He's great. But I think look look at it right now, right? Like Matthews and they'd want to build something with McDavid and Matthews if if they were to make a trade down the middle. In my proposal, I had Mitch Marner, and that's a fair assessment too. But mm-hmm. I think you ought to give up more if you're trading Marner, right? Like you argue that he's on the oh, same yeah. level as Matthews. And if yes, that's the I case, am. Why don't you keep Mitch Marner? Because I think you're going to have to trade more away if you trade Marner instead of Matthews. Why is that? You don't think. I just think totally G- different conversation. But you don't think there's going to be a time within the next two years where it's safe to say that Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews are on the same level? But we're talking about the 2020 trade game, right? Fair. And I do think Fair. there's still a propensity around the NHL to nice value work. that big centerman who can score goals. Marner, shiftier, more skilled, arguably, more of a playmaker. I do think if you're if you're a GM and you just have a pick of the two players, most guys are choosing Matthews. So you're saying Austin Matthews. Three first round picks and someone else. Uh, Dude, you, know you said what? Dylan Larkin and four first round picks for McDavid the first time, bro. Yeah, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go Matthews and three. Matthews and three. three first. Okay. Okay. Uh, again, maybe it's not a deal Dubas Dubas does though, but we're talking Connor McDavid. Call him Dubas. Dubas. He's not. He doesn't seem like an asshole. He seems. He seems. He seems like an asshole when he's like manipulating and and in his little meetings, like, oh, we're gonna fuck over that GM. We're gonna fuck over that GM. You see what Jim Benny did? Haha. <laughs> he I seems mean, like that type of asshole. But other than that, he seems like a nice guy. I can see him being a Dubas if like someone like fucks up his order at Starbucks. You know, he orders like a, a chai tea latte and they give him like a white chocolate mocha. And he's just like, how dare you? They, Time for me to go Dubas mode. 
He's not Russian. He's from a small town in Ontario, I think. You never know, man. Angry Dubas could turn Russian. Angry Dubas. Favorite drink from Starbucks. <laughs> I'm a plain old coffee guy, yeah. man. I get a drip coffee, Pike Place Roast. Bro, you go to Starbucks and, and you go to any cafe. And I go to cafes. You know, I like to do my reading there. But I ordered this most simplest shit because everything is so fucking confusing. What is, what is a macchiato? What is a... I, honestly, I don't even know what a cappuccino is. It looks nice, but one time I tried one, it was nasty. I should rather stick with the black coffee. Now, obviously, I probably ordered it wrong, but, but cafes are, are a struggle for me. But I love them. It, it, just, it took me a little while even to get grande down. I was like... Grande? It's a grande, man. Just give me a medium. A medium, right? Okay. I've been drinking my coffee black for the past year. Not because it just gets the job done quicker. There's that whole theory about it. Oh, it gets you hyped up way quicker. I just like the taste now. And no, I'm going a lot to, of guys are like that. And I'm going to Colombia next month. And you know, people think that I'm... I'm not going to play around with anything. Okay? Coffee and cocaine. Yeah, we're not playing around with the, the cocaine, okay? It's not what I do. I'm a good person. Ladies, good person. But I am going to play around with the coffee. For sure. For sure. Black coffee, since I have the taste for it now, and, and I approve of it, I think that's the best way to tell if, if the co- coffee is actually good or not. Because sometimes it gets it gets masked by uh, by cream and sugar, you know? It does. To a point sometimes where like you can't really you can't really tell the difference between a coffee. Now we'll we'll move on back to the trade game. Let let's have a little debate here. McDonald's coffee, black, Tim Horns coffee, black, Starbucks coffee, black, and I don't even know where other people get their coffee, but you know it's funny because there's a I remember seeing a survey in a Canadian newspaper about five years ago, and it was McDonald's, Starbucks, Wendy's, and Tim Hortons. I guess it was, was the best coffee. McDonald's. Wendy's. Wendy's? <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> Apparently. This again, this is like Global Mail, maybe like 2013. This is quite a while ago. But it went this survey went Wendy's, McDonald's, Tim Hortons, Starbucks. Damn. Okay. And it was a poll of like a few different coffee snobs. <sighs> Damn, man. Coffee talk. Uh shout out to there's this one coffee place on Hastings, right beside the the former dispensary called Cannon Clinic. They just closed it down. It's sad. I know. R.I.P. Cannon But it was the best black coffee. I forgot the name of it. J.J. Bean. No, no. It's not. It's... Hey, hey you know your locations, bro, because it's right there. But, um... No, nah, man. It's, uh... No, it's it's not like a J.J. Bean. It's it's like they only got one of these. It's Dubois the Express. I don't even know. Okay, let's carry on. You got Matthews. You got three first-round picks. I think that's a... Because you can never win this trade, right? You can never win this trade. That's, that's as that's close a trade to that, as winning yeah, as you're going to get. That's as close. As, not winning, but that's as close as like, okay, you know, we still get one of the elite players. I don't see that happening. I don't see teams. like Matthews is on another tier as well. I don't think that if Dubas is making a trade, he, he is throwing Matthews in a deal just based on how they would see their lineup. And they'd probably want to find a way to do it without Matthews just to keep McDavid and Matthews together. And I just do see, see someone like a Marner. I think that what's happening right now with Marner and the Leafs, they're going to get a deal done. The Leafs are going for it, right? They're going to get a deal done, but I think some bridges are going to be burned where, where potentially a move may be, may be made. Bridges are burned. So my proposal from the Maple Leafs is Mitch Marner I had only two first round picks, and I don't know if I'm like. I might have gone. I, I might have gone a bit high on it, to be no, honest. And I had Kapanen in there too. Like I had other players. So right now I just had Kapanen, Mitch Marner. If I'm looking back at this Gretzky trade, I should put three first round picks there. So Mitch Marner, three first round picks, Kasperi Kapanen for Connor McDavid. Not bad. Yeah, and Not I bad. would say that's. Um, that's less value than probably Matt. Well, I don't know. It's arguable. It's arguable. Matthews in three first versus Marner three first. I just think the Matthews thing, I get it, but I just don't think it's unrealistic. I think it's One of the reasons I mentioned it too is that, you, you know, you have that supposed spat between Matthews and Babcock. And I think Babcock would go before Matthews. But is there the looming risk that Matthews wants to go back and play for Arizona? Again, purely speculative, but. Yeah, come on. Uh, nobody's going to Arizona to play. It's his hometown, man. Yeah, he's, so I think what, he, man? You think he's probably passionate about Yo, there's a chance that, that Arizona won't even be there. Like, he can't really think like that, you know? I think what he did and the way he signed his contract was the best thing for, for a lot of these RFAs to do. Seriously, it's the, this is the move you got to make. The player empowerment era. Do it. Get to UFA. You have, you have to wait so long as an NHL player. We talked about this in a previous, previous episode. How, how these 
players who start off as kids, obviously, get into their 20s, and then they have to wait till they're 26 or 27 to choose where they can play after they get drafted? I mean, come on, don't you think they deserve it a bit earlier in their careers? I mean, they've been training their whole whole lives. Just all those RFAs, if you're signing those five-year deals off your entry instead of the eight, good for you, man. Go get your money. Go get your money twice before you turn 30. Why not? The NHL is turning, man. I think that's the way it's going to go. I think that's the way it's going to go. Right? Me too. Me you know too. What? It's going to be like NBA free agency in a couple years, man. 2023. Let's hopefully, go. Going to be a crazy hopefully. time, man. Uh, this other one that I got is the Carolina. Okay, so I got, I got Carolina getting Connor McDavid, and Edmonton getting four first round picks, Sebastian Ajo, and maybe a prospect. I think that Ajo is is valuable. He's he's on the rise. Like a lot of people are talking about yep. how good this guy is. And we're talking about next year. We're talking about four first round picks. You're never gonna win this trade. You're gonna have to get as close as possible. And I think if, if four first is a lot. Four first is a lot. Ajo's a great player. I think if you're the Oilers, you gotta get a superstar back. You gotta get a superstar back. Don't play the game and and, and think for potential. Don't just wait for a guy who got drafted third overall who you're acquiring to, to be that big piece in the puzzle. No, you got to get a superstar back. Because once you trade McDavid, get the assets back and build a team that's competitive right away. Because you can't do that to your fan base. But but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. You also have to hit on those picks too. Like looking back to the Gretzky trade, like those three first round picks that they got from LA, they really only hit on one of them, I'd and say. And that's and when and you that was Martin Ruchinski. <laughs> like yeah, we're talking dude. like a middle six player, you know. That was the pick they hit on, and he played two games for the Oilers. You know, like, you know what's crazy? You're trading Connor McDavid, the best player in, in the sport, to another team. There's a chance where that could work for the other team, and they could start winning right away. So those first round picks are are mid first round picks, are late first round picks. Again, you're never winning this trade. Yo, this is the most important year in in Edmonton Oilers history. Okay, because cause how long are you going to be talking about the fucking 80s? It's over. That's a long time ago. That's a real long time ago. The 80s. Top five rock bands in the 80s. You know your music. What are they? I'm a fan of Def Leppard. Okay. Uh, give me some Poison. Poison? That's a band? Yeah. Oh, you don't, you don't got you don't to prove it. I believe you, man. It's just sometimes I, I don't. I don't know. Iron Maiden's up there for me for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nazareth. Nazareth? Yeah, Nazareth. Never heard of them. Again, I believe you. I believe you. Man, I'm blanking on the 80s bands right now. But, uh, no, you oh, got four. Oh, oh, you got four. Oh, 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 give me some like talking heads, maybe. Talking heads. I like that list. I didn't know four of those guys, four of those bands. The 80s were a long time ago Oilers fans. This year is the most important year in Oilers history. It really, really is. <laughs> You're already a laughing stock. You were already gifted so many first overall picks years ago. It has to work this year. If McDavid gets traded at the end of this year, you are never getting a superstar, a top-tier superstar ever again. Like You already had Gretzky. You had McDavid. That's not going to happen for another 100 years. In fact, I compare, it to, I compare it to the Green Bay Packers. Now, I know the Oilers have to wait 30, like 30 years, 20 years to get the number one guy, and then they got the number one guy again, which, which is rare. Like the Canucks, for example, Vancouver Canucks, how many top tier Hall of Fame players have they had in their had in their history? You would say Pavel Bure. For like the way he played in that era in the 90s, he dominated, he did his thing, he was the be- he was one of the best goal scorers at, at his time. He was there. Uh, other than that, like <laughs> it took a while. Like the Sedins were there for a couple years. It, for the Oilers to have this, it's, it's pretty rare. Now the Green Bay Packers, they went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Now if if, if the Green Bay Packers if they don't win, if they don't win another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, they're not getting a top tier quarterback after having those two. That's not the way sports work. That's the way the sports gods are going to help you. They already helped you enough. Once the Oilers lose McDavid, it will take another one hundred years from the for them to get a top tier, one of a kind player. Because that's not fair. <laughs> Come on, hockey gods, you guys can't do that. The hockey gods won't do that. And the only solace I will give the Oilers fans at the end of this episode. Because when McDavid gets tra- traded, because we're talking about when. We're not talking about if right now. Yeah. We're talking about when. Team like St. Louis Blues, they won the cup with depth throughout the, wa- yeah. the roster. You can still make a trade for McDavid. You can still build a team if you have smart management, a good GM, and you don't sign shitty contracts. Let's play a game here. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot. You're Ken Holland. 
and I'm a reporter. And this is after you traded. Uh, what's the best trade you made? Oh, let, let, let's, let's get McDavid to the Islanders, okay? So you just traded McDavid to the Islanders, and I'm going to ask you some questions, okay? I'm ready. Okay, let's go. Do you think your team is better today than it was yesterday? You know, we were put in a tough situation with Connor. You know, he, he asked for a trade. He's been a great player for us for a long time, and I understand. It hasn't been easy in Edmonton. That's not the question. Are you guys a better team? No, we're not a better team. Are you going to be a better team next year? Hell yeah. Connor McDavid gets traded. The fan base is pissed off. If you could say a couple words to them, what would they be? What I would say is that the Oilers are still a team on the rise. You know, we lost the best player in the world, but we acquired a lot of assets today. We really like Matthew Barzell. He's a great player. We've got lots of capital going into the future. And this is the chapter that we're going to have to put behind us. Could you imagine Twitter? reacting to those quotes and trevor great job you don't even need a pr person on the spot you're bullshitting the whole way (laughs) once this trade is made hockey twitter is going to be the place to be it really is it really really is damn i'm excited man i'm excited you got any more offers you want you want to keep playing around i I got nothing else man you You got anything else i feel like this is what we should have done no regrets though we should have went through every single team and made an offer. It would have taken a lot of work. Yeah, can I throw, can like I throw some teams episode, at you? Man. Can I throw some teams yeah, at you? Might as well. The Buffalo Sabres. If they're trading for Connor McDavid. I mean, do you give up Jack Eichel? Probably. But I, I don't see that trade working because you're talking about... I, I don't You're going to give up Jack Eichel and, and three firsts? Four first. Yeah. Okay. The, no, I was going to say the Minnesota Wild, but there's no way a trade's going to be made there. Um, Even the Arizona Coyotes. Hot dog fill, man. No, what would you throw in there? See, that's the problem with the Coyotes. Because Keller have, isn't on an Ajo level. He they have almost a, no superstars. You're talking yeah. like maybe Keller, Ekman, Larson, and Forfers. Okay, let me keep thinking. Let me keep thinking. Um, Yo. Uh, I was going to say Chicago, but it wouldn't work. They got way too many cap problems. That's not going to work. How many teams can actually make this offer? Like every team's right. going to want to make the offer. I guarantee there are teams. Like you can even say a team like the Devils could potentially put up an offer as well. I mean, they just drafted Hughes last uh, two years ago. Who did they draft? At uh, uh, well, they thir- drafted Heischer. Nico Heischer. Yeah. There you go. That could be an offer too. Nico Heischer, some picks. But Heischer's like. He's only been like a 50-point guy so far in his early career. It's going to be a tough You're talking Jack Hughes, I think, if we're getting... Or or Taylor Hall. (laughs) You know what? We're going to have to see how this year goes, right? And at the end of it, when the Oilers don't make the playoffs, we're going to have to look around the league at teams that have some cap space, that have some assets, that also have a player that may be overachieved. That's young. Like in LA's case when they had Jimmy Carson... That's why that deal, I mean, I know Pocklington needed cash, but he also got a 50-goal score at the age of, like, 19 on his team. And a guy who put up 100 points in the next season. There you go. So, it's going to be the toughest trade in NHL history because you don't get the cash. It's going to be revolutionary what it it goes down. Edmonton's, like, the fans in Edmonton, what are they going to do? They're just going to have to eat donairs. What are you going to do in Edmonton? Chill at the mall, eat donairs. Go for a nice bike ride in the North Saskatchewan River. North Saskatchewan River? Yeah, it's the river that runs through Edmonton. Damn. I've never... You know what, Trevor? This is what we got to do, okay? If When this thing blows up in Silk and Filthy, we can go on, we can go on tours. I, I'm pretty sure Edmonton wouldn't want us there. But you never Not know. Not after this episode, you, no. You never know, okay? Once we travel across Canada, I want to do things like that. I want to grab a fucking kayak. You know? With a nice eight-pack and a small little cooler. Me and you going through the, the Saskatchewan River. That's Canadian as fuck. I say you make the most of Edmonton right there. A kayak, some beers, a nice summer day. That's what Oilers fans are going to have to do when McDavid gets traded from their team. You're going to need all the donaires. You're going to need kayaks. You're going to need beers. That's what's going to happen you when McDavid know what? gets traded. Legally, somehow, some way, going to have to send some BC Bud there too. Oh, it's, good. Canada, it's legal in Canada, man. No, They're d- good to go. Oh, yeah. Well, come on. The BC Bud, though, man. Come on, man. You don't think they're getting BC Bud in Edmonton? You know when Gretzky got traded? Ironically, I just... I've been like running through this book, Down Goes Brown, The History of the NHL. And they talked about how when Gretzky got traded, there there were members of parliament. <laughs> members of parliament trying to veto the trade. 
I don't think that's going to happen here. Like, I don't think Canada cares about the Oilers as much anymore. And Gre- McDavid's not Gretzky, so yeah. Canadians love their hockey. We'll find out when it happens next year. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was the 2020 Connor McDavid trade game. Where is he going to go? We gave you some options. We'll find out next year. Remember, you heard it here first on Silky and Filthy. And we'll catch up with you filthy bastards next time. Peace. For the benefit of Wayne Gretzky, my new wife, and our expected child in the new year, that it would be beneficial for everyone involved to let let me play with the Los Angeles Kings. I'm disappointed about having to leave Edmonton. I truly admire all the fans and 